You're listening to Were You Still Talking? They pump out your blood and they pump in a, a new batch of blood and all of it is the blood of children. All the big stars are going to be on TV now. I mean, it's just the way it's going. Your role, I think, will be played by Brad Pitt. What'd you wear? Uh, I wore my loincloth wrapped around my feet. Are you going by John today? And that's absolutely true. You feel it in every cell in your body. Yeah, you can, you can bend the truth and bend the visualizations no matter what your political affiliation. You could have an alpaca. My a, a girlfriend's daughter recently got married and they had llamas or alpacas at the wedding. A recording room. They recorded uh, a couple songs in the kitchen of Rumbo. So, wait, you, you, you microdosed before this, right? What? Hey, welcome back. This is... Were you still talking? I'm Joel Albrecht, as always. And today yeah, on the show... What's that? Oh, weird. What? Something strange happened. Oh, never I got mind. an echo. Okay. <laughs> today on the show, I have Ben Sorensen. He is from Melbourne, Australia. He's a voiced artist. He's a writer, producer, presenter, and event host. In a nutshell, he's a quirky, witty, eccentric, stylish, multi-platform personality, voiceover artist, writer of columns, lover of music, presenter of stuff, and while he's unable to leap tall buildings, I, I don't completely believe that, he's able to bridge the divide between city living and country culture. Absolutely amazing that he asked me to be on my show. Uh, really really uh, glad to have you here. How's it going? How is uh, Milbourne today? Soon that's where you are. Uh, it's it's a it's a little bit cold, and today is our last day of lockdown 4.0 thanks to COVID. Oh, congratulations! Tomorrow, uh, no, Friday might be ours. Well, not we've been out of yeah. lockdown for a while, but Friday might be our first day of not having to wear masks where I am. Oh, that's always good. You know what? I, I love I love the idea of masks to keep people safe. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I love even more than that is vaccination? Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I got the stab. I'm 100%, which anyone, you will still, you are still being asked to wear a mask even after Friday, if that goes through. You will still be asked to wear a mask if you're not vaccinated. We're almost, in my state, and I'm very proud of this, we're almost to 70%. So, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, for America, that's incredible. That's huge. <laughs> it's really, that's huge. it's pretty exciting. You know, I didn't exciting. realize um, how many people were like, no, nah, I'm not getting that uh, until I started posting about it on my socials going, hey, this is a really great idea. Mm -hmm. And all of, all of the people that came up with reasons not to be vaccinated actually hadn't read any of the medical research or done anything other than viewed a random YouTube video once or spoken to their hairdresser about a health problem. So, oh, is, I, so, I, you I need, find really, so you're saying you so need I, more I it, than I, that. Yeah, yeah, I know. To it's crazy, a, isn't to it? To make a scientific make a health uh, decision or a health decision, you would need more than a YouTube video or your hairdresser. Yeah, I, I know. It's insane. It's insane. <laughs> trusting your health to, nuts. you know, Nuts. And nuts. I, I mean, I wondered, is it, is it the same in Australia? Cause I, I, it always seems being where I am that, that America is one of the worst 
areas for that. Um, well, is it I, can, is it I can say that I can say it's exactly the same everywhere you defund education. True enough. True enough. And in Australia, in Australia, yep. we are privatizing and defunding just about everything that we can get our hands on. Ouch. Ouch. So, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, so we, we wow. have a, in, in Australia, our liberal party is our conservative party. If that oh, makes, that's so confusing. Yeah. It is very confusing, yet typically Australian. <laughs> <laughs> typically Australian. Love your background, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. It's yeah. um, uh, it's just a study here at uh, here at the office. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a green screen, and uh, <laughs> I, I I love the I love the complexity behind me as well in the in the, in the image. And I thought, oh, how amazing is that? Uh, and then when I stumbled across a picture, and then I actually realised it's a um, it's a shot from Knives Out in the. Is it really? Yeah, so it's a it's a shot from the room they used in Knives Out at uh -huh. the in the attic there. So yeah, and I didn't get it for that reason, but I I really love it. It was either this or a Harry Potter background, and I figured this was better. It's pretty uh, cool. It's pretty yeah. Cool. Look at that. Yeah, that's your that's your. But the difference is, this is a green screen. That's your actual <laughs> studio. You've just turned your green screen off. I've just that's it. It's the the green screen was. Kind of a, it's somebody's bedroom, but this is yeah. my actual studio. Yeah. yeah look at those bass traps that there. Love it. <laughs> 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 Gotta love the virtual green screen. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's pretty great, isn't it? Actually, there it's was a, funny. Um, there was a, a study that I read a little while back talking about uh, in the time of lockdown and studying from home and working from home, the importance of the green screen uh, to have for everybody to have it on because what it what uh, studying at home and working from home and doing all of this it shows your background it shows where you live and it's not so much a security issue but it was more a uh, it changes how you, it the study was saying it changes how you view people because you can see their socioeconomic standing oh. based on what you see in the background. So if I go to work, you don't know where I live. You don't know how I live. You don't know what my situation is. Mm -hmm. So it enables me to go through work without that stigma or bias. Whereas the second we're working from home and you can see my background, then more comes into play there, which can unfairly disadvantage or advantage uh, people in the workplace. So the green screen is actually really, really important in keeping the focus on you, your work, who you are, as opposed to do you have rich parents? Do you live in a good spot? Do you, you know, are you living with people? Like what's, you know, so I think that's a real, the green screen is a wonderful invention to help uh, even out and to help break those uh, systemic cycles. It is, absolutely. And I mean, another wonderful invention is the USB microphone, which I've recommended to people on this on this show before, um, you, you know, even if they're in a meeting at work, if you get a microphone and you sound a little bit better, um, people huge will tend difference. to, a huge difference. Yeah. They're going to listen to what you say. It's going to be easier for them to hear what you say, uh, yeah. literally and, and, you know, and figuratively. And, yeah. Well, in, in filmmaking, in filmmaking, we also say, do you, are you more willing to put up with bad images or bad audio? 
and you can live with bad images because you can say it's stylistic, but bad audio, you sunk. Absolutely. So, and it, I mean, if you look, there's some, some of my favorite films that when you turn the film, when you turn the sound off, you start going, man, this doesn't look so good. You know, if you look at Terminator, the first movie, oh, yes. you, you turn off the sound and, <laughs> and you're like, wow, <laughs> but the sound, you know, the, the sound designers just have did miracles, absolute miracles uh, for uh, movies like uh, that. Yeah. yeah. We call that, we call that turd polishing. That's it. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> sometimes you got some glitter to sprinkle on it. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> learning how to speak australian yes yeah yeah (laughs) oh i got a lot more where that came from love it (laughs) i love no when i do interviews with the u.s sometimes the um the audio editors go uh should i i'm not sure if i meant to bleep that or not (laughs) oh man that's what i love about with australian slang oh i saw they don't (laughs) That's that, what's nice that, about a podcast. Well, is am I is he cursing or not? <laughs> if you have to ask, leave it in. Just yeah, leave, yeah, right. Totally. They'll tell you in the comments. They'll true enough. <laughs> they'll tell you. I do always release my podcast with the uh the warning, you know. You might hear adult language because we're adults. We're grown ups on this podcast. Oh, thank fuck. I was <laughs> holding it in that whole time. <laughs> Yeah, oh. Don't you worry about it. God, we, I mean, we use curse words well, like punctuation here. Right. What do we, I, that's the other thing. I want to talk to people from around the world, you know, so I don't want them to have to change their language. That's the whole point of talking to people from other countries. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> and what if I'm talking to someone from France and they don't want to say merde? <laughs> Agree. <laughs> right. Oh, nuts, nuts. So you uh, you have quite quite the resume, quite the resume. Yes. What what filled what, with what many you, adjectives? Filled with many adjectives. And so, what have you been? What's your latest thing? And have you been able to do stuff? I mean, obviously, you've been doing a lot of appearances. I've noticed that you've been mm. doing a lot of stuff. Uh, are you able to kind of keep working in the lab? You said you're just coming out of lockdown. Yeah. So lockdown's really hard because oh, um, yeah. in in Australia we've got. So there's a whole there's a whole heap of different things. Like the industry here in Australia is a little bit different. So in a, in a, in America, for example, um, if I if I do film or TV, I am more likely uh, at most levels to get a residual payment of some sort for the artistic work that I do. So in Australia, we hate artists, and our government hates artists as well. So there's a lot of buyouts that happen here. So Lockdown hit our arts community very, very hard. Uh, when you look at music and musicians, particularly, mm-hmm. uh, sixty to seventy percent of their total income comes from live touring. That's that's so, really true in the U.S. as well. But because uh, you know you we, you see the one percent that's making a big buck, but most of our musicians are they're making it off of the day to day gig in that totally. way. And then you swap over to film and you look at actors, other than theatre actors, if we look at film and TV, we don't have, uh, you know, it's it's not as heavily uh, royalty focused here as it is in the States. So we have a lot of people that have done, have to keep doing projects in order to keep getting paid. Mm-hmm. So uh, when lockdown came, the film industry virtually 
virtually stopped. Uh, and a lot of the, particularly a lot of the smaller budget films stopped uh, because if, let's say, we need to uh, change how we shoot, change how we do everything, there's a lot of expense involved in that to make it COVID safe. And it should be COVID safe, but that also means that only big studios or larger studios or better funded studios can afford to do a lot, a lot more work in that environment for longer before it's totally shut down. So our arts community here is really struggling. Uh, everything from, you know, smaller hospitality venues that have closed with smaller gigs. Uh, I, do, I do a few uh, smaller gigs as well. Uh, and for me, like pre-COVID, I was on a flight uh, every, maybe every, every week and a half, every two weeks, flying around to do a gig somewhere in Australia or overseas. And now I've been, this is the longest that I've ever been in, in one space. Mm -hmm. You know, I was lucky to get uh, a job at the Gold Coast or in Queensland uh, in between lockdowns, but it's still really hit and miss. And there's also uh, a reluctance in uh, the, in the marketplace to get people from interstate now as well, because of the internal border closures thanks to COVID that could happen at any time if an outbreak occurs. So because our, our, prime, our prime minister botched up the uh, vaccine rollout, our approach being an island nation, which is, has worked in our favour, mm -hmm. to uh, very quickly lock down and prevent travel. And that's worked really well because if I can't, if I can't see you, I can't spread COVID to you. So without vaccines and without uh, custom-built quarantine facilities, which we should have but don't, uh, locking down is a very efficient way to go. However, it makes it very hard to plan events, to plan guests, to plan lots of stuff. Like uh, I did it a heap of work with the uh, Supernova and Oz Comic Con here in Australia. So they're the pop culture uh, uh, cons and events. Mm -hmm. And normally they would have like 20, 30 people from the States come out or from, from Europe come out that have been in, you know, the movies or voice actors and people like that, really cool people. And now they're going, well, okay, so I need to plan that six months ahead but I also don't know if, number one, we can even do the event. They've got a two-week quarantine on the way there and back, which I've got to pay for now. Plus, I don't know if anybody, you know, if my interstate audience can come, even if I can operate the event. So the risk profile for live events has just gone through the roof. And to their credit, the event industry and artists are doing this largely without any support then trying to navigate and manage all of this without any government support. So it's uh, a, an absolute credit to the creativity, passion and drive of the art sector within Australia. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. I've, I mean, over here, the news that we have been getting has kind of been the opposite. I thought Australia was actually doing pretty well because I keep hearing about uh, – Hollywood people going over there because it's COVID free and because there's, are there areas that are um, not in lockdown? How, why am I hearing oh, this? Why is Ron Howard over there? Look, there's What's a lot of people. So there's, uh, so Marvel have uh, agreed to shoot a chunk of their films in Sydney. Mm -hmm. 
And compared to a lot of other countries, yes, we are COVID free. Okay. You know, we only have small outbreaks here and there, but we have problems with vaccine rollout. And as far as our spot lockdowns or internal issues, then our, our internal uh, travel between states uh, for those live events, it's a bit of a problem. However, we still do have, uh, as I said, the larger studios. By comparison to the US, it's easy for them to have a bubble here where cast and crew can still do movies, can still do COVID tests, can still be, you know, can foreseeably have vaccinated people on set doing that. So there's, uh, there's another film that, uh, there's a film that I'm looking at working on in, in, that we're, we're doing pre-production in a couple of weeks for. And we've got four, five people from the States coming out. And that's been, we've been planning that for the last 12 months. So, and it'll wow. be a private, wow. and it'll be a private jet out uh-huh. and it'll be uh, separate quarantine facilities because our federal government doesn't believe the quarantine custom built quarantine is important, even though it's totally their responsibility. Um, and all of our, all of our US talent are vaccinated and they'll move into a, uh, a COVID safe shoot mm-hmm. where everybody is either uh, vaccinated, masks for crew, uh, regular COVID tests, all sorts of stuff like that. So, look, it's a lot easier here, but just because we're better than a lot of other countries doesn't mean we're out of the woods. Well, and yeah, I mean, uh, I, honestly, <laughs> saying that you're better than America isn't saying much, to be quite honest. It's... <laughs> It's but, not you know saying what? a lot. I- it, thankfully, thankfully, you guys have come along in leaps and bounds since the orange guy left. But leaps and bounds, yeah. uh, which is really wonderful to see because you know whether you love the orange guy or not, it's really sad to see the death rate in a first world Western country out of control. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts, and I, I mean, I'm sure. This is probably the most I've talked about this on the show. We, uh, although a year ago I we talked about it a bit. Um, it uh, it's t- it's crazy, and it's crazy, and it's based on crazy. You know, it's it's based on the YouTube videos. It's based on uh, an extreme, the biggest podcaster in the world deciding that it's okay to spread misinformation. Uh, the fact that they finally started taking lies off of very, very popular uh, media sites, I think helps. I think it helps, but it's obviously not enough because we the have... already done. What's that? The damage is largely... Damage already- is done. Damage is done and they will find it somewhere else. I mean, they, you can't... There's, you just can't pull it off of everywhere. And you're right. The damage is done. And the fact that... I mean, if you have a conspiracy theory going, right? And it's a very believable conspiracy theory. We never landed on the moon... And then you you pull that conspiracy theory away. It just makes conspiracy theorists go, "See, they're trying to hide it, right?" But you know what? The different the difference is, we didn't land on the moon. Who's going to die as a result of that? Either way, no one. You know what? So if you want to be have a harmless conspiracy theory and muck around in your own time and do that, right? That's uh, that. Look, I can cope with that. Mm-hmm. But when your conspiracy theory starts to cause the death rate to increase and uh, increase the risk for immunocompromised people to actually have a quality of life, 
particularly in America where healthcare is the most expensive for no reason at all, um, then I then I think that's a very unkind thing to do to spread that misinformation out of ignorance and arrogance. Well, and I think part of it, I honestly think that a lot of the misinformation is not spread out of ignorance and arrogance. It's spread on purpose. It's being spread uh, mm. very purposefully. It, it's part of a campaign to dismantle the country. They literally tried to take it over. You know, they're, they're, uh, yeah. they literally tried to take the country away from the government. This, this still blows my mind. I get chills thinking about it, and I know it's going to happen again. So I don't... A lot of this misinformation is being done with billions of dollars. Fox News is not a small company. You know, this is not some fly-by-night YouTube stream. And they're putting out this same information about, they're acting like conspiracy theories are credible and should be heard. So it's it's pretty nuts. It's pretty well, you know, we have the same problem here as well. In fact, we find, uh, there, was a, there was an article that I read um, it was well referenced saying that uh, climate change denial and anti-vax uh, the rise in the anti-vaxxer was more prominent in countries where Murdoch media operated as opposed to countries where Murdoch media does not operate. So we see that mass media outlets include specifically Murdoch Media, which is Fox, or it was Fox. Uh, and over here in Australia, we still have, um, you know, Foxtel Sky News and most of our newspaper network or large chunk of our newspaper network is owned by Rupert Murdoch. Uh, very clearly pushing misinformation and an agenda to the point where one of our um, major mastheads is listed not as a news um, as a news publication, but as a entertainment publication. So, you know, that's, that's where, that's where we're at. And people are taking that opinion and entertainment and poorly fact-checked, um, articles as gospel when not even the gospel's gospel. Right. That's not been fact-checked very well either. It's no, uh, really, really. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Hard enough to fact check something 20 days ago. Yeah. 2,000 years ago. That's over, or is it 5,000? I guess that depends which, which, which book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that just blows my real, mind. I find it really interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, then, then I go, are we, you know, are, are, are people trying to focus on the anti-vax thing? Cause it's a crisis at the moment. And us humans are really good at focusing uh, particularly well on whatever the most immediate and largest crisis is so that we forget about the other crisis, which is our environment and what we're doing there. And then we also see, you know, the, the behaviour of large businesses and billionaires who don't need any more money, have everything that they need in their life, yet still try to be cruel and oppress and play the game to acquire more money which just also blows my mind. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that one. I it's kind of like the people who um I think think more like us who who feel more like us don't have the drive to make billions of dollars. 
and the people who have that drive to make billions of dollars or inherited, and it's still a large amount of people inherited it, um, they don't seem to care. I mean, even the ones that are pretending to care, Bill Gates, um, are in fact doing so maybe to control more than to help. Uh, um, You know, there's, you know, it's it's hard to tell. Is it the is it the drive, or is it the unethical ruthlessness to win at all costs? And I I have a problem with winning at all costs. Yeah, I do too. Well, I it's why I have a problem with um, capitalism in general, which we were actually kind of touching on before the show started. That the the way capitalism is designed, well, actually, the way it's designed, I think it would work. But the way it's, uh, you know, they're using it now is completely nuts. It's completely nuts. Um, it's and America's never been like this before because you were talking about how we band together in times of crisis, and yep. that's one of the things that blew me away this time around. We did not do that. Uh, we always have in the yeah. past, always. It didn't matter what side the president was on. When there was an emergency, uh, you threw those politics away for a minute. You, <clears throat> that, that didn't matter. You know, it this was, uh, was going to be, important. it was bigger and more important. And uh, I think it kind of started with Vietnam. That's, that idea started to, to, to chip away and be deteriorated. But with the latest fiasco, um, I just have never seen anything like this. And it wasn't, just and it was top down. I mean, basically, yeah. the government of the U.S. said we're not gonna we're not gonna band together. We're gonna say this isn't important, and, and it's not that many people. And you know, the and facts to a, to are a smaller what? extent. That's exactly what happened in Australia as well. Oh, was okay. So we ha- we had state premiers, which are the same as your uh, governors, mm-hmm. uh, doing all the heavy lifting because the federal government's gone. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll we'll yeah we're thinking about it. Yeah, we'll do something uh, later. It, yes, exactly what happened here. The governors were way too much was put on the governors, in my opinion. They that that's not. I mean, that is their job, but they're supposed to have the backing of the federal government, and it was all put on the the states completely, and then that made them enemies of their constituents. You know, um, if, depending on what state you are in. 50 to 52 percent suddenly thought that you were a terrible person because you're trying to save their lives. Uh, it, yeah, this, that's a new one. That's a new one for us. Totally. Yeah. Totally agree. And it's interesting you say about capitalism, how um, if, it, if we go back to what it is, probably would work a bit better than how it's used. And then we look at that same issue in the rollout of uh, an idea or a concept like that. So we go capitalism. If we actually look at core capitalism, it probably would work better than what we got now. And then if we look at core communism, which we know has never worked ever, it probably would have worked a little bit better if they had have just not embellished it and gone with the core concept. And then we look at socialism as a standalone and we go the core concept of socialism, probably not, not as terrible as what we've, seen as the rollout of core socialism. So I feel like the messages get corrupted along the way. They get, yeah. The um, far, far more intelligent people than I 
have pointed out how the Constitution of the U.S. is a democratic, democratic socialist document. You know, that's the idea. We the people yep. for the people, not we the billionaires for the, uh, and the rest of you can mm. uh, work for us. That's not, that's not the idea of I, this, I love the society. Right. So I, I love a modern concept. Now, again, I don't have all the answers. I'm just a guy from Australia and a white guy at that. So I think that there's a space to have like a hybrid capitalist socialist mix. So I love the concept. And I think it was Bernie Sanders that said it, that uh, anyone can be rich, but no one should be poor. Yeah. And that's, I, I like that concept too. I mean, I'm a big Bernie fan and um, I think that's, the real idea of democracy. And, and um, like I say, I think the founders of the country were more along the lines of socialism. I think the country was more, I mean, in World War II, uh, you know, it wasn't about making tanks to make money, although they did make billions. Uh, it was about making tanks. Wars to are good for that. Yeah, wars are good for that. But it was, a, it was really about banding together to defeat, you know, the... Someone that at that at that time that someone that needed to be defeated. I don't know how it would have been done differently. But now we don't have that situation anymore. But we still have the you know we we still have uh, people just making billions and billions of dollars, really just to make billions and billions of dollars. And it, it's it's a bizarre concept to me too. I don't understand. Um, and I also don't understand idea. how you how you could want so passionately somebody that works for you to not afford a house or to be able to eat or would need three jobs, which means they can't focus properly on what you're paying them to do to start with. See, we see the wage uh, and whole tipping thing in Australia with the US is just insane. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. There was someone um, about 100 years ago yeah, I think his last name was Ford. And, you know, the whole reason he came up with his idea of making things faster was so that his workers could afford to buy what he was making. That was part of his concept. Now, he had a, you know, he was also someone who just liked to make a lot of money. But he, mm -hmm. his idea was, well, if my workers can buy this stuff, I can make even more money. But that idea seems to have gone completely out I the window. Totally agree. So this this is the thing, right? So there's... We move from a space of, um, I want to make sure that you can win, to I want to make sure we can all win, to I want to make sure that I can win, to the final stage, which is I don't care whether I win or lose as long as you lose. Yeah, and that's a big, uh, I don't know if you guys get the, the series Billions over there in Australia, but... Um, that billions is an HBO show about billionaires and and the the uh, an attorney general who started trying to bring a billionaire down. But that's kind of the whole concept of it. Is it's just it's showing what the thinking of these. He's a the main character is a funds manager, and it's showing the thinking of this. And that's exactly it. It's like you know a lot of their time is spent trying to beat other billionaires. Um, and I don't know if they're really representing reality or not, but I have a feeling that they are. It's, it's just, they're so competitive. I don't, and it, I don't it, have any billionaires in my circle of friends. Oh, you don't? No. But you're in entertainment. Yeah, I thought, I isn't everyone in entertainment a billionaire? Is 
We just buy nice jackets. <laughs> <laughs> and you have great backgrounds. Great backgrounds. <laughs> backgrounds is it. That's and everything. If I, lean, if I lean back, it disappears. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's pretty good, though. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the... Um, I'm kind of proud of the movie industry in a way because um, a big reason that they wanted to go back to work is that the people, everyone on set other than the actors don't get paid, right? Mm. They, they don't get residuals. They don't make a dime if they're not working. And uh, I know that some of the producers, actors, uh, directors, they wanted to put their everyone back to work. And, you know, all the small, all the, all the lesser actors and extras and all those people they just they weren't making any money without work so they really did go out of their way i mean some people built their own studios their own compound now i'm forgetting the name of the director so that they could work and be safe and be able to do it and yeah and and now with you're vaccinated right i think i saw somewhere on your Social oh, do you know, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan and I'm uh -huh. encouraging everyone to be vaccinated. But in Australia, I'm uneligible to be vaccinated yet or ineligible to be vaccinated yet. Oh, okay. Because okay. Our, our federal government has stuffed up the vaccination rollout. So oh, uh, we boy. are. Yeah. So in the, at the National Press Club, they were talking about uh, it taking six years, <gasps> up to six years, to vaccinate Australia being a population of 26 million people. That's nuts. I mean, that's the population so it, of California. That's a population yep. of one of our states. Yep. That's, that's, uh, yeah. That's no, that, that gives you an idea of how messed up it is. And yeah. uh, we also had plenty of opportunity to do it correctly. And every year we have a, um, just a, a flu shot, a flu vaccine that comes out for the new strains of flu to keep everyone a little bit safe. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that rollout goes beautifully, relatively beautifully every year. No issues, no problems. And uh, for the COVID vaccine rollout, we've had um, originally it was first to high-risk individuals and frontline workers, which is a brilliant idea. However, they couldn't even get that right. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. We, it's interesting because that's how we did it. Um, but you know, oh, which as I think of, is wonderful. it's the way I think it was a way to do it. Um, but because one of the, there's two companies that are making the vaccines and that are from America. So obviously they were able to, um, get up. We were able to get a lot, a lot pretty quickly. And, um, it started out the same way. And then they, and in where I am, it was very loose, very loose. They, they, uh, started with frontline workers and then it was, you know, and then it was people um, over 65 and frontline workers. And yeah, then over, over 50s, yep, mm -hmm, which is where yeah. we're at at the moment still. Well, okay. A lot of don't want it. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. A lot of, they were, they were starting to have a lot of vaccines, so they got pretty loose about underlying conditions. If you have underlying conditions, one of them being if, you're, uh, 25, if your BMI is 25% or greater, well, I don't know if you know America, but that's uh, 97% of the people. Most that's of them, yeah. 20, yeah, 25, I fell into that category. And I'm not, you know, super not, overweight, but I'm 25.3 or so. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, that's about 20 pounds over your ideal weight, you know, in that, uh, 
Like, okay, I'm eligible. But they didn't say a word. It wasn't like, why are you here? How did you, you know, how did you, how did you get here? There was none of that. It was just, thanks for coming. Yeah. Glad to and see you know you. what? I, I, I totally agree with it being offered to the uh, frontline workers first, um, disabled or at-risk people first. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And again, this whole first thing assumes that there is a shortage of vaccines. So um, we've got the over 50s and Melbourne, uh, courtesy of uh, quarantine facilities that are subpar, uh, which is the states stepping up and trying to convert hotels into quarantine facilities rather than having their uh, the, the federal government step up and have custom-built quarantine facilities, which is written into the Constitution as their responsibility. Um, we've had a lot of a lot of issues here. So the states have said, okay, we're going to vaccinate people that are 40 and over, and I'm still too young, just. Well, good for you. That's, that's but, not. You know, but <laughs> even then, the theory is they don't, a lot of the vaccines don't store. So at the end of the day, don't throw them out. Jab right. them in an arm. It's all about, you know, getting the numbers so that we can get that herd immunity to a stage where uh, it's less of an issue. And the other thing that blows my mind about COVID is super slippery as a, as a SARS H1N1, whatever it is, super slippery, which is why we've seen so many variants pop up because it's evolving faster than our human brains can uh, prevent it from, from spreading. So if we had have had a really strong targeted response to start with that was coordinated and working well, instead of having six or seven variants now, we may only have one or two. Way easier to control one or two. Right, right. And the, I mean, one of the real problems, um, my wife was just reading an article about how the the uh, industrialized countries will probably still be kind of hoarding the vaccines until at least twenty end of 2023, at least. Which means the rest of the world, which is quite a few people, billions and billions of people, uh, will still be on their own, will still be getting um, mutations they, of the virus. So totally. the virus will just keep mutating, keep mutating. By the time we're all vaccinated... It might come back here, you know, in a worse. And the vaccine's not going to you know. not going to work if we've got the tenth mutation down the line. Right. We're going to have to do it again. We're going to have to do it again, which I don't. Which I will happily do it again. And I also have a little bit of a. I mean, I have a a, a terrible idea about this. That okay, I'm vaccinated. So if you really don't want to get vaccinated, go get COVID. That's fine. That's that, that's on you. I hope you enjoy it because I've heard it's not real fun. I've heard it's not a good time. I mean, the the main thing they talked about here and the, and, and this um, YouTube guy that I watch, Dr. John Campbell, he's an uh, English nurse, teaching nurse, was. Uh, he has been studying this for a long, long time, long before the outbreak. Um, and he talks about how, and, and they talked about this here too, our real goal was so that hospitals would not be overtaxed. So that if someone has to go to the hospital, a hospital can handle it. And at least we are to that now. I mean, and to me, it's more of, well, I guess you should have your freedom to not get vaccinated. If it's based on 
conspiracy theory. I'm really sorry that, that that's what you're basing it on, but you, I guess you should have that freedom because I have the freedom to be safe. Uh, and the vaccines are, the one I took is, from what I understand, is incredibly effective. And uh, I haven't got COVID since I, I've been vaccinated. So it's been quite something. Um, it's uh, So did you or the Johnson & Johnson? Moderna. I did Moderna it, just because that's what was Moderna. available. All right. Yeah. 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 yeah Ma- Moderna and, and, and see what um, we see with all of the vaccines. But then what, what we see with all of the vaccines is it removes the risk of death for the majority of people. Yes. It decreases the symptoms if you catch it. Uh, and more importantly, it decreases your ability to spread it to others. Yeah, and those so, are all, any, to me, that's the most, those are the three really most important thing. things, right? Those are my hand. Is yeah, not, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, I find, it, so I find it really frustrating. And that talks to what we were speaking about before about with the varied form of cruel capitalism as opposed to accurate capitalism. Uh, we see that the concept of, oh, I'm, I'm hoarding this. Well, what you're hoarding becomes less effective because you're hoarding it. Right. The data and logic says yeah. that if everybody gets the vaccine as quickly as possible on the planet, then everybody wins. Financially, everybody wins. And you're, you know, it's almost like, I know that I could win and it's the data says that I'll make more money and I'll be better off if I share it. But I just really don't want to be nice because I'm a horrible, horrible person. That's right. Right. That's what it seems like. It does seem that way. And I th- it, it's very and I think we've, bizarre. We've misinterpreted capitalism as being cruel and horrible as opposed to going, okay, well, let's just look at the data and go, how can I be more profitable and more effective? In Australia, we've seen the uh, late-stage capitalism is different here to what it is there. But uh, supermarkets, we have a, um, a duopoly basically here on in, in supermarkets and grocery stores where we get our food. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is very clearly... Oh, no, hold on. More- Can I just stop you there for a second? Yeah, yeah. I thought you just, in Australia, I thought you just went out in the bush and, and just grabbed something and, and you just... Look, I would... I would love to do that. Uh, when you get a chance, Google witchetty grubs. Witchetty grubs. Uh, okay. Witchetty grubs. So uh, we uh, large, uh, unfortunately and very sadly, our First Nations people who have been custodians of the land that we are on that was never ceded um, have been looking after Australia and surrounds for 60,000 years before we came in the last 200 years to stuff it up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, they've got some amazing food and some great bush tucker that I think we need to be embracing and uh, looking at more because it's it's wild. It's really great. Um, Wichity grubs, not so keen on. Some of the other stuff, really awesome. Um, but the grocery stores, uh, we have uh, two two predominant chains here that uh, fight for market share. And we see it's, uh, a, te- it's a great testing spot uh, because we can see the evolution of, uh, of business ideas happening very, very quickly. So we look at five years ago, it was all about price. Okay, lower price, lower price, lower price. Race to the bottom, really bad for uh, farmers and manufacturers. 
uh, selling to these two. Mm-hmm. And now, mm-hmm. in the quest for profits, to going, let's do some concept stores where we actually, eh, we don't go for cruel low price one can live and we have an environmental conscience. So we actually design our stores and our products in our stores in with the manufacturers of these products to decrease our carbon footprint. And that's how we're going to make more money in this market. And I go, awesome, that works. You're listening to the market. You're foreseeably planning for success and doing it in a kind way so that you don't have to pay PR companies millions of dollars to fake looking good. It's actually more profitable just to be good. That's great. So I love that. I think that's great. Yeah, I think that's that's slow, long wonderful. time coming, but right, right direction. And I always wonder why more big business don't see this because it's kind of like treating employees better. Um, with the big tech companies, they have found a model where they've figured out the more you pay people and the better you treat them, uh, the more they will stay at your workplace twenty four hours and and do your bidding. You know, with the, they totally. uh, that's really their their concept. They treat them really well. They pay them really well. They treat their family really well. Um, and I just, it blows my mind that that doesn't catch on more, that that isn't, that, you know, the light bulb doesn't go off with more companies. Uh, and now in America, the, it's they're being forced to think that way because it turns out that uh, people don't want to go back to work. I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, places in America are having a really hard time yes, getting- Yes, I have. Can yeah. you imagine- Can you imagine being so horrible as an employer that you are publicly kicking and screaming for your, to, to, to make your business better and more profitable just because your priority isn't capitalism or profit. Your priority is how can I be horrible? And you're openly kicking and screaming about that. And I, that's the bit that blows my mind. You know, it's a, it's a free market for mm-hmm. everybody, not just for, you know, um, big business. And you've gotten away with abusing your staff for way too long. We see some of the stories that come out of America about how you pay and how you treat your staff. And we just go, those businesses would not be allowed to operate here and would have massive fines because we have minimum standards. Now, I don't think our minimum standards are enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's sad yeah. that we need minimum standards to guard against these horrible, unethical businesses. But it is important to pay your staff a livable wage. It is important to respect your staff as humans because you do not own their soul. You just buy their time. Yeah, and- with, with the corporate takeover of politics in America, which is what I blame it on, the um, all these different safeguards for employees have been taken away. I mean, one of our biggest ones was unions. Unions, Union busting started in the 80s, and they've almost dismantled every union other than maybe the police and education unions and a few other places. But the majority of unions have been completely kicked to the curb, which means now you have nobody to fight for more wages. You don't, it it doesn't exist anymore. 
Um, and our yeah. minimum wage hasn't gone up in 30 years. So uh, the wages for the, the lowest paid workers haven't even begun. You know, the lowest paid worker, the idea uh, not that long ago was that they should be able to buy a house. When my parents were young, uh, they were not the lowest paid workers, but, but um, they didn't make a ton of money and they were able to buy houses. People who make the, uh, that equivalent salary, you know, teachers and uh, um, things like that, they can't buy a house anymore because so, they don't make enough money. What's your minimum wage there? So we have a national minimum wage here. So our yeah. Yeah. Our national minimum wage, I believe, now I could be wrong. I'm sh pretty sure it's still $7.35. Now, it, it may have gone so, up to seven ninety five, but most of our, uh, so, some of our states, like ours, is pushing for 15. We're going to be at 15 in a couple of years, which, you know, as far as um, the numbers go, is where we should be, right? Minimum wage. That's so, or full-time employed staff here in Australia, our minimum wage. And remember, we still have uh, Big Mac meals that aren't $50 and none mm -hmm. of that scaremongering rubbish. Um, our minimum, our national minimum wage is uh, $19.84 per hour for a 38-hour week. Wow. Wow. Oh, you, you actually looked it up. I saw you. Yeah, I did. Looking at your... Uh... Uh, so that's that. Sorry, that's in Aussie dollars. So uh, let me see. It's so it's slightly less than U.S. It's pretty. It's it's only a few bit, a bit less. Um, some of my flight simulator stuff is Australian, so I know the the exchange rate pretty good. Um, but um, yes, and that's that's totally doable. Yeah, I, also, I was right. Um, Seven twenty five an hour. It always it's. Yeah. I always think I'm wrong about that, but <laughs> it's still there. That's, and the whole tipping culture as well. I just go pay your staff properly or adjust the price of your products so that you can pay that. So everyone talks about the minimum wage. I think we need to talk about the maximum wage as well. And we say, oh, we can't afford to pay someone flipping burgers a livable wage because that would mean the cost of my super cheap Big Mac or my burger goes up. And then we go, no one talks about a CEO that's on $16 million a year. No, no one talks about that, especially not here in the U.S. This is something we keep well under right. our hat. Have you ever, do you know about Ben and Jerry's ice cream? You ever heard of that? Brand? Yes, I do. I love okay. their activism work. Yes. And they, they came, uh, they, uh, when they started getting big and maybe from the start of their company, they had a maximum that they would pay their top employee. And uh, it actually was really tough when they went to replace themselves because it was a maximum of the average wage for their company that the that the top people could get, so they had a really hard time getting new executives that would replace them, uh, because you know six seven hundred thousand dollars a year is just not enough for people so, who are making millions. Yeah, yeah. So see, this is this is the other thing, right? So if we look at, uh, they have this thing. I don't know if it's uh, in the U.S. or not, but we talk about ratios here. So we talk about the ratio of the highest paid staff member being CEO or executive or someone on the board to the lowest paid. So if the people at the top want to get paid more, we they still have to meet this ratio. So if I want to earn another $100,000 a year, because I reckon I'm an awesome CEO, 
then I need to pay my lowest paid workers more. Right. And then by paying my lowest paid workers more, the next one up the rung is going to need more to keep the distance between everything. So suddenly we, have, we create in these horrible boardrooms that are all about narcissism and self-interest as opposed to making money and being ethical, that dilemma where they go, I want for me, but in order to get that, I have to give to others. Yeah, this is what's so absolutely. I, I, uh, so I love I have the a, idea of having that ratio there and going, okay, this is the maximum ratio that you mm -hmm. can have between your highest and lowest paid worker. Good luck. I, I love that idea too. And I, I mean, sometimes people balk when I say I, I've got a problem with Bill Gates. And that, I mean, that's in a nutshell, my problem with him is that he, he didn't, he kept all that money that he made for himself and a few other people that uh, bought into the company in the beginning rather than spreading it out uh, throughout the company but more. I mean, he did, he, it, it's like you're a billionaire. So almost everyone at your company should, should be close to a billionaire. I mean, a millionaire. Um, and then you wouldn't be a billionaire, but you'd still be a multi, multi, multi millionaire. <laughs> It'd be close. <laughs> Who what needs do you, what do you do with several that, billion dollars? Apparently you give it to your, uh, spouse give it to you give it give it to you now ex-wife so she can actually do yes. all the good things that she actually <laughs> wanted to do that's and what's was happening. pushing you to do when you were married um i think it's really interesting when we when we look at you know all, all of this and we see a culture of philanthropy in the states which i love i think that's really great philanthropic stuff is really wonderful however when we look at, uh, well, you, you know, uh, Jeff, Jeff Bezos from Amazon as an example, giving $20 million to this charity as, a, as part of his philanthropic fund, mm -hmm. if, if he actually paid tax correctly, that charity wouldn't need to be in existence and he would be paying a lot more than that. So I have a, I have a problem with the guise of philanthropy when you're paying into a philanthropic fund or for those projects, like 5% of what you should be paying in tax as a billionaire. It's probably 0.01%. But yes, yes, I agree with you 100%. Least, you know, our, our, uh, our current president, which I'm happy to say I can listen to his speeches, he is trying to change that. I don't know that he'll get anywhere but he is trying to get, you know, the highest earners in the, in the U uh, S to start paying taxes because it, at this time they barely pay taxes. Uh, interesting side note. I saw they, they used Tesla as an example, terrible example. They said in 2018, um, now I'm forgetting the Tesla guy's name. Um, Elon Musk, Elon Musk in 2018, Elon it, Musk paid it, no taxes. It, he made two. Well, in fact, he lost money, so that's why he paid no taxes. On top of the fact that he can hide his money, he literally, yes, he's a billionaire, but if you lose money, you don't have to pay taxes. So it was a bad example, but I, I do think that billionaires should should pay their fair share or even, you know, it, our, our tax system is completely upside down. Some of the poorest yeah, people pay the most yeah. percentage of their salary 
and the richest people yeah. uh, pay the smallest percentage of their salary. And yeah, many of us think we, that that's totally upside our, down. Our tax system is broken here as well, but it's different broken. Um, but I think that um, a lot of modern Western countries are still believing the lie that trickle down economics is effective and works. Yeah. When it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't even, it's not even close to working. It's such a good slogan. But oh, it's wonderful. It's it sounds ridiculous. great. But then um, I think when, when we look at it is the, uh, the, a lot of the people that champion capitalism are the very people that it oppresses. And that's the bit that confuses me about, um, you know, opinions and perception within a large population is how successful are you at marketing and sales if the people you're very you're oppressing are saying this is good we need more of it how dare you want to change it yeah you know, and, I, and i yeah yeah it's, it's kind of what it, religion's been doing for years right right it and uh, the marketing has taken over religion i mean marketing is really powerful and they have i mean they've made it all my devices so i don't have to watch advertisements between my television shows or my movies but I, they make up for it because you get them everywhere else. You know, everywhere mm. you turn, there's an ad. Pretty soon, the satellites are going to be probably flashing laser ads in the sky. But it, it's, it, it's powerful. It's powerful stuff. I mean, I don't pretend for a minute that I'm not hypnotized by certain, you know, shiny things. It, it's, uh, it's, it's extremely mind-boggling. And uh, again, you mentioned at the very beginning, I think we were on the podcast, uh, about the dumbing down also helps with that. You know, the more, the, oh, le the less you educate people, the more you can get rid of education. Uh, you know, the, the less people that you can educate, the easier it is to market to them and, and market bad ideas. And, and, uh, I'm telling you, this is the short term solution. This what's it's all short term. Not yeah. educating a population is a short term Short-term win, mm -hmm. but long-term disaster. Long, well, and now it's it's coming around in America because they're, you know, most of our, more and more of our jobs are high-tech jobs and they need educated people. But we haven't paid for education for 20 years, you know? So it's uh, not only, we, have, we haven't paid for it and it's become more and more um, hard. It's less and less affordable and you have to go in massive debt to get educated and they, they, uh, yeah, it's coming around oh, to buy us. That actually, sounds, yeah. that actually sounds very similar to the Middle Ages, where only people chosen by the church could read and write. It's yeah, exactly. It's a bit like that. It's a bit and like now, that. And so now only the rich can afford to read and write and to do those tech jobs. So we see a bigger divide again, courtesy of horrible, unkind people, between the haves and have-nots. Even though economically. The data says everyone should be educated because everybody wins and everybody makes more money. Right. And everyone and everyone does better. And it becomes and, a sustainable economy. Yes. Yes. Uh, but I've read a been reading some interesting books about um, stats. Now oh, I'm forgetting the name of the books. But um, one of the one of the points was that people who pay for really good education um, and, you know, send their kids to the best colleges, those kids don't necessarily do any better 
than uh, students that go to colleges that are, um, you know, not as expensive, is not as good. Because I, and the, the point was that if they were good enough to get into a college, um, that's really what mattered. And the, you know, people who were going to lesser colleges might have more of a drive to do better because it wasn't being, you know, given to them by somebody. So in the, in the, uh, in the current, current space at the moment, so I totally agree with that, uh, but what we do see is better schools or not so much better schools, but more expensive schools, more exclusive schools offer better networking opportunities for outside of schools. True. So you have yeah. access to people that you normally wouldn't and you have time to get to know those people that you normally wouldn't. So your network grows, but then that also doesn't, that might help an individual, but it doesn't help a society. Yeah, right, right. It doesn't help a society and it doesn't help because, I mean, the, the education here is, is um, and I'm pretty uneducated, so um, I'm not one to talk, but that was my choice. And uh, the, the idea that we've gone backwards with the amount of people who graduate high school and college and and the you know the quality of our education has gone down it it's just it's ridiculous because the amount of money that the country makes obviously has gone way way up we we um you know we have one of the highest um gdp's through the yeah world. one of the highest gdp's in history and in the world and it it doesn't make sense that we don't want to put that back into education, but, and it's because, you know, again, it's, it's a marketing thing because it's, it's become so political. And if, you know, if you think, uh, education should be paid for, then you're just a snowflake and you, you don't, uh, buy enough guns or something. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, and I think any kind have, of education. We that, yeah. We have that same issue here. And all those people saying, oh, you know, if you work hard enough, you, you can afford an education, blah, blah, blah. All of those people got a free education. Right. That's, that's the rough right. bit. So the people that are saying, oh, if you work hard, you can do anything are people that are grossly privileged that had uh, money from their parents or had free education or had all of these different legs up to help them out. Yet, one of the challenging things is they're choosing to not see any of that and they genuinely believe that they achieved what they did through hard work, not through gross amounts of privilege. It's really, uh, you ever heard of Malcolm Gladwell? No. Oh, I've wow. Been... I'm surprised you missed him. Malcolm Gladwell. He's the one that, have you ever heard this this idea that you need 10,000 hours to become an expert or something. Oh, yes. You ever heard that? Yeah. So Malcolm Gladwell yeah. came up with that years ago in one of, in one of the books he wrote. Um, and in one, I'm just now getting around to reading him because suddenly he was all over my YouTube feed whenever I went down the YouTube rabbit hole. And uh, he had a really interesting take on uh, people who were successful at different times and how many things went into their success that had nothing to do with um, their income or, you know, what family they came from necessarily. Um, the examples he gave were great, but it, it, it had to do uh, with a, a, 
whole lot of people that were very successful in in the uh, in the law in law in New York uh, in the seventies. They came from the same type of background. They all they all had the same type of hardworking parents that were uneducated. They came to America at the same time. They were all from pretty much the same country, so they had the same work ethic, and they happened to um, be okay with doing a type of law business takeovers that no one else wanted to touch because it wasn't considered, uh, it was considered unethical in the 70s. And so these law firms exploded and it was just interesting how he looked at, um, you know, it wasn't there. They didn't go to Ivy League schools. You know, they didn't have really good connections other than when they went to a law firm that was all the same from the same area that they were, they got hired, but this, they weren't fancy law firms at the time. So it was just very interesting how it came down to, uh, it, it wasn't luck, you know, it wasn't pulling you mm -hmm. up by your bootstraps, but it was about timing, working really, really hard, and being born the right year. Um, it, it's kind of mind-boggling what can go into uh, someone's success, where we think that, you know, yeah, you, you can pull, anyone can pull yourself up by the boot bootstraps. I've always thought that was a little... Uh, like, what is the bootstraps for rip? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Um, that's also, uh, while we're talking about really good books and things to read, uh, Freakonomics. Right. That's another um, amazing book. Really, really great book. And uh, it gives a wonderful perspective on how to read data and how, mm -hmm. to, how uh, correlation is in causation. Yes. Yeah, the, there's some ideas in there that are, are actually mind-blowing. Very useful. Yeah, very useful. Full of a lot of data and facts and out-of-the-box thinking, completely out-of-the-box thinking. That's, that's what's interesting. And yeah, blows some ideas away. This has been such a serious conversation. I unexpected. It? It's been really <laughs> fascinating. I feel like we've, we've explored both countries in our political system. And... Yeah. Uh, we've talked COVID. We've talked heaps of stuff. I it's, love it. Right? I do too. I, I just, I'm, you just never know where the where a conversation's going to go. It's great. Uh, I, I love it as well. I was going to ask you about some other things, and uh, I forgot about them. Forgot Look, about I, them. Forgot all do, about them. I do. I do other stuff as well. You do, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask I mean, you about. Whatever. Don't you have a podcast? Oh, look, I've got a uh, an environmental podcast that uh, I'm uh -huh. doing for a company called EcoForce Global at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I've got a whole heap of other stuff. But you can check all of that out at bensorensen1.com because some other bastard took Ben Sorensen. Uh, all my socials are exactly the same as well, all Ben Sorensen one. So I'd love you guys to come along and have a chat and uh, have a look at some of my stuff. And you are a social media monster. Uh, you probably you you you're very popular, you're very popular on the socials. <laughs> I was when I was uh yeah. Where did where did you hear about this podcast? How in the world did you connect to? The, um, I just I, I I I love your conversation style, and I very very much uh, enjoy the wide range of conversations that you have with different people. It's very eclectic. And I love going out of my way to learn about uh, people and experiences that I would never normally have. And I think that uh, what you're still talking is a really great example of that. So why would I not want to be part of it? Oh, that's awesome. That's a, a huge, uh, I'm blushing 
um, if for all the people listening, because most people listen, they don't look watch the video. <laughs> so that's uh, wow, big compliment. I, this uh, it's been quite a, a amazing meeting every, all the people that I've met. You know, largely because of COVID, uh, I was doing it here in Eugene. There's not nearly as many uh, people that I probably would have run into if the whole COVID thing didn't happen. And um, it's just amazing to be able to talk to people around the world um, who have the same problems as we do. <laughs> it's like, wow, wow. I thought Australia was all, uh, you know, doing uh, different. I have a different view of Australia. I, I know one person who lives in Australia via social media, not someone I actually talk to or anything, someone I used to know. Um, so I don't, I don't get a lot of info from there. Um, but you, one thing I saw when I was reading about you is you are just as comfortable in the bush as in the city. So you like spending time out in the woods or as we call oh, it here, you call yeah, it the totally. bush. Yeah. Look, I think nature is so beautiful and it also gives you an appreciation for the animal that we are. And I think it's easy for us to forget that we are literally just a physical organism and we are part of something bigger. And when you go and sit in nature and particularly over a long period of time, you see trees grow, you see the little ecosystem, you see life and death and rebirth and the seasons and, you know, how you interact with it. And that whole sensory experience of being out in nature is something that is incredibly grounding and something that is unique to what I think is part of that core human experience is to connect with nature and to connect with the world around you. And in our built world, it's all designed to distance us from that. So by going out in nature, I feel like it, it offers me that balance, that quiet time and that time to process what's happened in the other parts of my life. And I find it really wholesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Nature will do that to you. It'll, it's, it's such oh, a great way to, to process. And it's so much, uh, yeah, one thing I know that I will miss, um, that I am missing already is when, you know, when we went into full lockdown at the beginning of all this, everything got very, very quiet. Um, it, it was, so when I walked out of my house, I mean, the city I live in has a lot of trees and a lot of green space and it was almost like being out in the woods because all you could hear is animals and the birds did the birds got much much louder for a time mm. i've already noticed they've quieted down the 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 sounds of nature it's like everything else was quiet so they had to be louder or something i don't know or maybe i could just hear them you know, yeah, no well, hum na nature is really amazing david attenborough's got this really wonderful uh doco that he's put out uh, and it's along the line, I can't remember the name of it, but it's along the lines of what would happen if humans suddenly disappeared. Nature would come back, slightly less diversity immediately, but um, it would just come back. And I think lockdowns enabled it to come back a little bit. And that's wonderful. And I think we need to be living um, in line with nature a bit more than what we are. And I think we need to, you know, look after it as custodians 
of the planet because we want to leave a planet to our kids and our kids' kids. And I like the idea of living in space better than when we found it. And I think that's a very kind thing to do for the people you love. Absolutely. I think that's a really, it would be a really nice thing to do. One thing I think that is very interesting that I'm finding very interesting is how the, there is a, the auto industry seems to be driven by the market to stop using gas. I don't think they're doing this on their own. Uh, I really think Toyota started it, but that's my Toyota bias. But uh, so many companies have said they're going full electric by so and such a year, such and such a year. I'm reading a new country every month, new country, company, new company every month from a new country. Um, And it's blowing my mind because I really think it's market driven. Um, I don't think they would do this. Yeah. It it could be uh, driven by government and legislation, but it's not. This time it's actually driven by the market and by the overwhelming evidence and data that the market's picked up on that. Now, um, are electric cars in their current form the end point for environmental transport? No, not at all. But they are a really big step in the right direction, and I think that's wonderful. A really big step. I think I really credit uh, um, Tesla for pushing this in the right direction because you know, Elon knew that what they really like in America is stupid fast cars, stupid fast cars. And if you have to make them overpriced at first, okay. They're actually now in a, in a price range that a lot of people who buy, who are buying stupid fast gas cars can now afford the electric version. And so I really think that, you know, the fact that they can't make them fast enough started to to wake up these companies but they must have i mean the interesting thing is it takes years for them to come up with a plan like this so i know it had to be it been going back 10 years where they're starting to look at data and say yeah we're gonna we're gonna have to switch over we need to switch over um but mm-hmm. i think that the tesla market did did show that um we need the infrastructure faster like you know we need to start putting in charging stations now it's it's not it's not going to wait anymore. But so, the advantage, yeah. the intermediate yeah. advantage of a charging station for a small business is you know that you have your customer there for half an hour. Right. Right. It's yeah. So yeah, it's a really good thing to have. Yeah. So if you're an early adopter, you put some solar panels on your roof, get a couple of Tesla batteries. Not only do you reduce your own carbon footprint, you also get cheaper power and you can also attract customers that you know will be brand loyal because they can't escape without your charger. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yes. I, I, think, I think it's wonderful. And also the uh, automotive industry is also to be uh, commended for putting so much effort into working out how to recycle EV batteries after their usable life. So it's Mm -hmm. very, very early days at the moment, but there's uh, Renault's doing some really great work there uh, in looking at how they can dismantle them and also ethically dismantle them because there was talk of moving it to third world countries because it was cheaper for labor because it is indeed labor intensive to recycle car batteries or the anything. 
or anything. We we've yeah. really stopped recycling a lot of things in America because China said no, we're there. It's not working. We're just stockpiling it. Uh, yep. Oh yeah. And so they're actually planning for that, which is really wonderful. And there's a couple <laughs> of companies that are actually using the um, uh, expired batteries currently in their factory robotics because they can be charged, um, you know, more more readily and uh, the current drawer is less or something. But um, mm-hmm. it's, it's great to see that people are thinking of that and that that's a really important question. We need to sort of keep encouraging our automotive manufacturers to look at more sustainable circular economies for transportation. Yeah, I think it was a... There was it was advertised on TV, but I think it was Volvo that said they're going carbon neutral, and there's been a couple other companies that have said they're trying, they're they're going to get there soon, and so that's for car manufacturers. That's amazing. That's and that's a that's a big industry, and yeah, uh, that will also. It's only I, I think the focus at the moment has been on uh, like cars for domestic use. But the flow-on effect of that technology being tested in that market is that we will end up seeing, uh, you know, trucks and delivery vehicles being electric or a lower carbon footprint, which is really where the bulk of the uh, atmospheric CO2 comes from when we talk about transportation. Right, when we're talking about transportation. Yeah, I I actually looked into... uh, it was just before COVID started. I was looking at, well, where where is all the CO2 coming from? Because they often cite cars and cars are being, you know, touted as uh, they want to sell electric cars. They want everyone to go electric um, because, and that's supposed to make a huge difference. But that's like number five or six on the CO2 scale. It's Oddly great. down there a ways. It's, yeah. But it is the biggest thing as an individual that we can do and control ourselves. So that part I agree with. Yeah. But as far as large emitters go, I mean, we, we've got a lot of work to do as far as converting industry, mm-hmm. um, overall power generation as well, uh, and looking at some of the different ways, particularly international shipping as well. Because the second you're in international waters, there's no environmental standards, essentially. So we oh, see right. a lot of these cheaper container ships that do all of this, just spewing uh, CO2 into the atmosphere with, you know, some some very poorly maintained boats. Yeah, with getting everything. There's a lot from, of different things that we can do to yeah. make a difference, yeah. Getting everything from China does not help that in the least. <laughs> no. And, and yeah, in America, power is a big one, um, which surprised me. Uh, because here on the West Coast, we get a lot of power from um, hydropower. So yeah. although that's not the that's best, better. it's better. It's much better than spewing out coal. But I didn't realize how many, how much of our power um, still comes from coal. And we are on a grid. So it doesn't matter where you live. It's not like, oh, I'm only getting clean power. That's not how it works here. We're getting, yeah. you know, everywhere in, in the U.S. gets power from everywhere else. Right. So. Yeah, it's it's a that's a big one. I was that was kind of shocked me. Kind of shocked so in, me. So in Australia, the next step uh, that we've had here is you can actually, with your power provider, choose to purchase the equivalent of your bill in green power. So yes, you're part of the grid, mm-hmm. but you can say, let's say I'm using um, twenty kilowatts of power 
let's say, hypothetically. So I can choose to either get it from the grid and then it's a mix of whatever, or I can say, I would like to specifically purchase 20 kilowatts of green power. So I still get power from the grid, but they increase the amount of green power that they purchase by 20 kilowatts, which is what I'm paying for. Oh, that's great. That's great. We have a similar thing in our, well, our local utility company lets you choose to be a green power customer, which means you're getting, we're getting about 10% from green power. We're paying an extra like $10 on our bill to support the, the continued um, growth of green industry and of green power type sources. So it's, it's not nearly as good as what you're talking about, but it's definitely a step in the right direction because yeah, that's a big one. I find it really interesting when we talk about green power and we see that China is, was one of the largest uh, users of coal-fired power stations and consumer of fossil fuels now going, you know what, we're going to phase that out. Not interested. Uh, and then we see Australia and the US building more coal-fired power stations and gas-fired power stations going, that's insane. Everybody else in the world is going, nah, not going to do it anymore. It's bad for the environment. And as a country, a lot of them are setting targets to the result of that, that changes trade agreements. So in Australia, uh, 70% of the countries that we do trade with have these agreements to lower their overall carbon footprint. So they will be encouraging trade in order to lower their carbon footprint with other countries who have also agreed to lower their carbon footprint. And that's something that our government is missing. And I sincerely hope that uh, the US government is not missing that as well. Uh, We are, but yeah, because of the, I mean, our our government is so much about power struggle right now. Um, We want to be part of those accords. Uh, We were in those accords and we got out of them in the last four years, but we're trying to get back into them. And uh, some of the stuff can be done with the, you know, signing of, documents um but other stuff needs more cooperation that we're not getting right now so we're headed we're getting back that direction but it depends you know on who the next person is in big government because that's all pretty much based on big government uh fortunately the states also can do a lot and are doing a lot hawaii had a goal to be um to be completely off the grid um getting all their electricity from solar or wind or other alternative energy by, I can't remember what year it was, but their goal was to do this. But in Hawaii, labor is a huge problem and getting the, getting the stuff there is a huge problem. So they had to change that. They've, they've had to really back off on it because they literally couldn't get stuff placed in, on enough. You know, they couldn't get enough things built, but they're trying. So if other states follow suit, that'll, that would really be helpful. And it makes the most sense for Hawaii because it's very hard to get power there. You know, that's that's a hard yeah. place to get Although, that. Although, I reckon they do really well with geothermal, given the number of uh, volcanoes that are there. They do. They do. Um, but those tend to be very dangerous. Um, they, <laughs> the eruption that happened, was it about a year ago, where it wiped out a, a few neighborhoods? It came within uh, less than a mile, I think it was, of a geothermal plant. 
And they had never had a geothermal plant run over by a volcano, so they were very, very nervous about what might happen if if the lava <laughs> ran over the geothermal plant. Because they are very, you know, there's a lot of power there. There's a lot of power there that you probably wouldn't want a lava pool in. No. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> it's not the the best solution. It is what they're using. It is. I like yeah. I like the idea though. <laughs> the idea is and great. You know what? As terrible as it is to have a geothermal plant covered in lava. Jeez, I'd still watch that video though. Right. Yeah, you know, we were <laughs> 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 gotta admit, we wondered. We were watching the we were watching the I daily. See what happens what's like, happening. I don't want anyone to lava. die, but <laughs> well they did clear it out. They cleared <laughs> it out, but it was still like, you know, the main parts of it can't just be disassembled. They would still have it. Oh. Had it there. So yeah, part wow. of me would want to see it go into overdrive because it's just got so much thermal energy there, but it's not yeah, going to happen. That would be something. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> I did see recently that they're getting closer to having viable wave energy uh, producers too. I, that's been a technology that's been tried for many, many years, but some, they're getting closer to making use of that because that is so much power, you know, just in the tides. Yeah. So if we could use that, that would... Yeah, that would be amazing. I think that'd be brilliant too. I think there's a lot of uh, very clever people, and this is why we need to sort of fund these, whatever the next step in power generation is. Because can you imagine how many less wars, uh, being from a warmongering country yourself, how many less wars that we would have to go to if we had every country had their own renewable power security? Oh, yeah. The Middle East could get on with being the Middle East then rather than you know, fighting off everyone else. Yeah, I still think we're, um, I mean, what I see now is we're still so locked into this idea that we have to be at war. Um, you know, we, the America's really big on that. And we're still locked into this idea because I don't think there's any reason to be at war anymore. I think that, oh, you know, as a civilization, we, we should have. We should be well beyond that. We don't need resources like we used to. I mean, we're in two wars now that are about resources and partly about um, anger. You know, partly, I don't think they're about the things that they say they're about. They're certainly not about freedom. They're about wanting to control other countries and want to con control resources. That's that's what I understand about them. Um, but we also have, still uh, have, the largest here's military. Another, here's another random concept. Go ahead. I don't know, I was going to say, what if it's just simply about... Uh, powerful old white men that got their little egos bruised. Yeah, that's what I was meaning. Um, just like the Middle Ages. It is just like that. I, I know that's why we went into one of the countries. Uh, it was. It had to do with the the a father and son by the last name of Bush, and we just. I don't know why we stayed there. I mean, there's. I think we're still there because each president that's come after has realized how many people will die if we just pull out without you know doing it properly there um it's those are pretty messed up areas that we're in right now but they've been that way yeah. for centuries centuries and centuries and centuries so it's a really it's a tough one um but we still have the vast majority of our budget for the entire u.s the government budget the vast majority is military and it, at mm. this point, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of ridiculous. It's as much as I like really cool jets, they're, they're almost not 
um, practical anymore. It's not a it's not a tool that we would probably ever use unless we really get good at making up a new a new war. But that's not even a, a weapon we use anymore, and we're still building them. But it is a weapon that the marketing department used to show strength. Yes, absolutely. It's it's very much like that. It's like the old days of of the the yep. parades in Russia. It, it and very spe much speaking that. of Russia yeah. and China, they've got modern warfare sorted out. Russia's just got a bunch oh. of hackers. Yeah, genius. And and China yep. just financially invades somewhere because uh, the US still owes China a, a trillion dollars or something. And I was very nervous about that one. The the um, the last president was trying to cut them off. Was trying to cut off relations to China. It's like, does he really have no idea? what kind of uh, power they hold over us? Does, is yeah. he really that out of it? Which I think he is. I mean, I, it's been yeah, proven. It's, but it, it's just like, oh it's my God. Twitter lightly. And it's, yeah, no, I stay away from Twitter. <laughs> 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 I, I do a lot of social media. Twitter's still one I don't, I somehow don't understand. <laughs> uh, look, tic TikTok's <laughs> like that for me, but it's just because I don't dance yeah. well. That's it. TikTok, I have not started because of the plethora of people, AI experts, who said don't ever go on TikTok. So um, I'm sure it's true with the other social media too, but there was big warnings about that. I recently started the opposite of Twit TikTok, which is uh, a really bizarre space. Um, the Twitch, the Twitchiverse. Oh, yes, that's right. Twitch it's, is right. There's a it's whole interesting stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, there is. It's it's a it's a bizarre space. I don't understand it. <laughs> you know what? If we understood half the stuff that happened in our worlds, it would be a different place. That's true. Like it, That's it's the true. old the old adage. Like I don't understand electricity, but I know how to use a light switch. Right. Well, but you do understand electricity. I can tell. I you you, you actually <laughs> actually do. Yeah. It's, I understand um, how a car works too, concept, but most people yeah. don't. Yeah, the concept. Concept. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it sometimes amazes me how simple electricity is. It, um, there are a lot of people who don't understand it at all. I know. But, and then, yeah, and then the yeah. best thing is when you understand it, zap, it hits you. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Totally get it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Oh, man. Uh, uh, it yeah. reminds me of uh, quite seriously electricity. What's that about? Electricity. What's that about? Oh, that was a gag on Ohm's law, but that's fine. No, oh, okay. <laughs> it went right over my head. Apologize. <laughs> 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 oh, jeez. Well, mm. listen. I should probably start wrapping up. This has been uh, an amazing conversation. Amazing a wild ride, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah there's white knuckles. That's, that's how that's, yeah. that's what a ride it's been. You know it. White knuckles. Awesome. Awesome. It's been. Uh, I'm really glad you contacted me. It's just. It's been amazing to have you on the show. Amazing. Oh, it's been an absolute yeah. joy. I've learned so much about the U.S. as well, which is really wonderful. I've learned a lot about Australia, which it's always. I mean, that's always fun. A lot of and yeah. Which is mostly what we talked about. Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about drop bears. <laughs> no, we didn't. Didn't even get to talk about that. Which is, you know, I'll have, maybe I'll have you have to have you back on. 
Do you Sunday. ever get? Do you ever go to the U.S.? Uh, look, I did before the Orange Guy was in. Uh -huh. uh, I did uh, the uh, CMA Week uh, in Nashville. Uh, I did some shows there, and that was really, really wonderful. Uh, down south, uh, they will certainly kill you with kindness and also cholesterol as well. Right. Uh, right. My God, best fried chicken in my life. Um, <laughs> they know how to do no, that. And uh, I, I did spend a little bit of time in LA and um, sort of got out to Santa Monica and check out that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I think there's, uh, I, would, I would love to explore the States a little bit more so that I could uh, better understand uh, the, the wide range of people that come from the States and how they live and how things work over there. I find it fascinating. It's a pretty big place, not compared to Australia, but it's a pretty, pretty big place. Australia and amazes me because there's, there, it's such a big country and not a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there would have been more people, but when Captain Cook turned up, he had that whole genocide thing going on. So, you know, not so good on that. Right. Right. Well, they did a lot of that here too. So yeah. it's just more and more people kept coming over. More and more people kept coming... That's a, oh boy, that's a whole other subject I could get into. Yeah, no. <laughs> whole no, other I, thing, like, oh hello. man, more, more as, white guilt coming. No. <laughs> look, as an Australian and uh, a, a big fan of equality, um, we, uh, we do owe a lot to the US or Hawaii in particular um, because uh, they saw Captain Cook and went, ah, nah, not right, and they killed him, so... And, but then, then they went. Oh, but do you guys want this? You yeah. you want these islands? Because you know, I mean, they're nice and everything. But if you want them, that that's the amazing part of that story. <laughs> it blows yeah. my mind. I love Hawaii. That's some place we try and get to as often as possible. It's the next state west from us, and uh, we we uh, we love it there. But um, I've read there's a brilliant book called Unfamiliar Fishes. You ever heard of, heard of that? If you ever want to learn about Hawaii, Unfamiliar right. Fishes by someone named Sarah Vowell, who's a writer and actress, voiceover artist also. Um, but un, uh, very, Hawaii is a very interesting story. And uh, the, it's so bizarre how King Kamehameha just gave it away. Yeah, yeah, you can have, what? England doesn't want it? Oh, well, how about America? Oh, yeah, we'll take it. Having no idea how important it was going to be to us. No idea. Then, uh, white, white people have been taking advantage of uh, the apparent ignorance of First Nations people uh, since the dawn of time. I, I'm the Native Americans over there going, hey, uh, look, at, look at all this shiny gold rock that we find. Ah, you have that. Oh, give us those guns. Yeah, that makes hunting a bit easier. You know, so, I, you know, I find those... Um, uh, and I think that actually is the start of evil capitalism right there. Yes. Uh, it's, um, it's, a bit, it's the start of, of it over here. I mean, it was already going. They were already pretty full swing in Europe. They'd already wiped out all, any oh, native populations. So. They were gone. And, I mean, it's interesting how the um, – uh, this is <laughs> – getting right back into it here. But uh, it, it's interesting oh, how, yeah, yeah, how so. people um, – how much they love royalty and how, how, you know, how the king and queen and the royal family are such a big deal. They seem to be 
as much of a big deal here in America as in the as in the UK, but it's probably even bigger in the UK. Do they love it, or is it glorified Stockholm syndrome? It's probably glorified Stockholm syndrome. It's that's probably more accurate. Um, but I always think, occasionally, I think, you know, all that money was stolen. Mm-hmm. Right? All that all that yeah. money was 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 stolen from other countries. These and if you go to the British Museum, <laughs> they actually charge you to see their stolen stuff. That's right. <laughs> I would love to go. You know, I'm not saying I wouldn't like to go see it, but the, I'd, I'd love to see the stuff. But that's an know. interesting fact. Yes. Yeah. Just, here's, here's all the stuff we took. You want to see it? Yeah. I, yeah. That's that's like something I birds. don't understand. Is there uh, any royalty in Australia? Is there any of that left there? Uh, do you is know it, what? Uh, Olivia Newton-John is probably as close as we get to Australian royalty. Okay. Well, that's royalty. That's it. Yeah. She's dead set legend. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, but no, no, no royalty. We are a uh, a colony, a lesser colony of uh, the Queen of England. So you are still a colony. We are though. part of the Commonwealth. Okay, that's that's so, almost, yeah. I don't understand that stuff. Yeah, I, I look, what does it even mean? It, 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 I don't think it means logistically. I don't think it actually means particularly much. Mm-hmm. However, I am very grateful for it. Because without an uh, without a monarch, we would have uh, useless politicians with even more power than what they have now, and they can't get it right now. So more power is not going to fix that problem. That is that's very interesting. Yeah. So do we that's, need a monarch? Not huh. really. Do they do anything? Not really. Is it expensive? Yeah. But uh, giving politicians more power to make more corrupt errors and mistakes, yeah, not really keen on that. Not so good either. Not so good either. Yeah, uh, it's just like just like a dictatorship is really wonderful if you get the right dictator. The hard parts churning through them. <laughs> I haven't um, I haven't seen that yet in my lifetime. Anyway, yeah, no, and I hope I never yeah. do. <laughs> the right dictator that would be something. Right. I mean, I yeah. guess. If you, and it, it's it's funny because you can't get much more far right than a dictator. No, you can't. Well, that's <laughs> that's what they were trying to do here. That's what they yeah. are. They're still trying to do. Actually, it's not. It hasn't stopped. They're trying to change this to a dictatorship and trying real, real hard with every law they can conjure up, uh, yeah. which is nuts. I mean, I you know I've lived in this country fifty-seven years. I've not seen it act this way it's it's bizarre and just bizarre yeah it's uh yeah. definitely you've you've got an interesting culture on your hands there <laughs> We've got, that's a good way to put it that is a very very good way to put it we have an interesting culture on our hands and that that's a perfect place to end our podcast for the moment i want i want you to come back and i i mean if you are ever in the states Oregon's not far from LA. It's a it's a two hour flight. And I've been putting that on my pizza for ages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, oregano. Sorry. Oh, uh, oregano, oregano. You say it. Okay, oregano. Passes yes. on the different syllables. <laughs> uh, yeah, you Aussies always do that, don't you? Um, I was yeah. going to get a lesson on how to speak Australian, but it's too late now. I learned how. I learned so much. I learned so much. This has been incredible. Absolutely incredible. So what I was going to say is you've been listening to 
Were you still talking? This is Joel Albrecht, and my guest today has been Ben Sorensen. You found out everything about, no, you found out very little about him, but we've just had an amazing conversation. If you like this conversation, then uh, listen to the rest of the, the episodes. They might be good too. It's quite possible. I would not guarantee in everything. There'll be everything in the show notes about Ben, all his uh, social media contacts and stuff. And uh, yeah, and more of a description that tells you, I mean, the guy has got a resume longer than my arm and there's other stuff that I really wanted to get into. But that four hour podcast, I think are a little much. Only Joe Rogan's gonna do that. Uh, he can have it. So <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. It's been really Such nice. Such a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Thanks a lot. And as I always say, 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 be good to each other and be good to yourselves. And we're out, as they say in the business. Boom. Nice work, dude. <laughs> Boom. Thank you.